0: Hello everyone and welcome to the CMAX Podcast. My name is Brenda Lee. I am the CMAX Marketing Communication Specialist and I'm here with Clarissa McCallum. Hello, Clarissa. Hello, Brenda. We're already up to episode 16 and today we have a really interesting topic. We're visiting with Dennis Surienko, our CMAX Beef Sire Analyst, and we're going to talk about our Beef Up Program and Beef on Dairy. Welcome, Dennis.
1: Hello, Brenda and Clarissa. Happy to be here.
0: Thanks for joining us. So, Dennis, just to start out, can you tell us a little bit about your background, um, what you have done, what you are doing and um, your role at CMEX?
1: Yeah, so I I actually started with the, you know, you'd call it the CMEX group through WestGen, the Western Canadian partner in CMEX, uh, where beef the beef program manager, and and continue that role to this day. And then I started with CMax. It'd be eleven years ago in November two thousand and twelve. And the the role when when I moved uh, over to to CMax and took over was was really external beef acquisitions. Uh, you know, the beef sire acquiring for our our beef program. And at that time, it was traditionally uh, mainly a beef on beef program. And it's interesting how it's really morphed with with emerging changes in the market and and how that role has morphed is over the last ten years is is really pretty amazing. Uh, and and before all that, my background, of course, grew up on on a beef operation, uh, purebred, and uh, you know, selling genetics to the commercial industry in Western Canada is what what our family has has done through the generations.
0: So you talked about it a little bit, but I think it's safe to say that beef is a major topic not only at CMEX, um, but everywhere worldwide. Um and really it touches all aspects of our business. Um just thinking back, how how much has it changed in since you started past ten years?
1: Oh it's it's amazing how it's changed and and beef is is you know such a conversation in, in all around at CMEX and and you know all our markets you know really from our traditional beef markets you know in North America, South America, Australia, um, the UK and and Europe, you know, that were really strong beef on beef markets. Of course, Europe, you know, they're they've been longest down the road of beef on dairy, but I think, you know, the changes over the last 10 years has has really it's it's really, really accelerated. And I think you'll find in any industry um you know it'll change will really be be brought on by technology so as as emerging technologies have come through we've seen a lot of change in beef you know sex semen on the dairy side of things really has changed the beef market because of those strategies so i think any time uh that you see technology changes and as technology advances you're really going to see changes in your business and i think from a CMEX perspective, for us, is you have to really be proactive when you see those changes, because I think when we look at things from a genetic side of view, as as to the space that that I that I'm in, is if you're reactive, and the lag time of genetics, you're going to be behind. So I mm-hmm. think. You know, from a CMAX perspective, we have to really be proactive, and and beef has has been such a main conversation, and the investments that CMAX has made uh, over the last while has been, it's been you know from production to the investment in in genetic programs has has really really accelerated.
0: For sure it has. And, um, you know, in the past couple of years, we've, you know, really put an emphasis on our Beef on Dairy program as well. And it goes under the the Beef Up program, that brand name. And just because you do touch global markets, what where markets, where are they using it the most? And do you see a lot of differences in what they're looking for?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, as I had mentioned, the UK, because they've they've really... You know they've done dairy beef the longest, and and it's a fairly mature uh, market segment over there. Really, the the beef up program and the beef on dairy has has really accelerated in in North America. I'd say, uh, especially the U.S. specifically, it's it's really accelerated the last you know five to ten years quite substantially. And then we're seeing markets. Uh, in Australia, a uh, little bit in South America, like in Brazil, starting to merge with, with the beef on dairy. But, you know, Canada, U.S. and and Australia, it's it's had such a strong ramp up, extremely mm-hmm. strong ramp up.
0: With all of these countries that are using them, um, how are you seeing these crosses perform compared to native um, and Holstein animals in the feedlot?
1: Yeah, and it, it's really interesting, you know, at the very start of, of the real ramp up in dairy beef, a lot of the thought process was just use a Cavanese beef sire. Um, there wasn't as much emphasis put on how they would perform as far as growth and the carcass traits and the efficiency. So when we seen the first beef on dairy animals come through, you know, there there was a, an advantage to them over the straight Holsteins. but it was really quickly seen that you had to really focus on the genetics. So now that we're seeing the the animals come through out of the higher genetics for growth and feed efficiency and carcass, we're seeing you know there's there's dramatic differences um, between the beef and dairies uh, calves versus the Holsteins. You know from a from a carcass perspective and a grading perspective the the beef on dairy calves will average about 5% more ribeye area. And depending on breeds of the beef that you use, you know, it could, it'll it be higher than that. The, uh, which really leads to, when you start talking about yield grade of the carcasses, that higher ribeye area on the beef crosses definitely leads to a higher yield grade on, on the resulting progeny. And then when you get into the feeding phase, the straight Holsteins, uh, they're less efficient. So, on average, in a lot of the studies we've seen, is they generally their dry matter intake is about three point seven percent more. so they're they're eating that much more uh, than the dairy beef crosses. So that results into a poor feed efficiency. There are a little longer days on feed to get them finished. Um so then you're getting into a higher cost of gain. So when we look from a profitability standpoint, the the differences are very dramatic.
0: So with these differences, I guess what we need to take to our clients and what CMEX is focused on is, is our bulls that will will get you those calves that finish faster, um, with you know, less bone, and they're just more efficient, and they've got that ribeye area that we're looking for. So tell us a little bit about what CMEX is doing. We have uh, you know, we have our own bulls, but we also have a Vieira
1: program. Yeah, so that's that's really that's that's an area that really is exciting to myself. And it's it's an area that that uh, I do right now the vast majority of my work in. And and it's been such a great program for CMEX and Viera. Of course, you know, we all know Vieira with the you know the great programs they've had on the dairy side of the business with CMEX. So we we started the internal Angus program, uh, breeding program with Viera. Of course, great longtime partners and they really had a vision of of getting into the beef business and that space. So we really it was a it was a very synergistic natural fit. So we uh, were partnered with them and and the 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 nice thing about the beef up program and those bulls is when you start looking at at terminal crosses, which is what the dairy beef market is, you have you can be very, very strategic in your breeding. When you talk about beef up so the number one goal of the beef up program is to be more profitable uh, for everyone along the supply chain more profitable for the dairies uh, as they're going to get a calving ease product they're going to get the desirable kind of a calf to to be able to sell into the supply chains and those supply chains want those calves because they're going to be more profitable for them because they're going to grow faster they're going to have a higher feed efficiency and they're going to have the the right type of carcass when it's all said and done. And the partnership with Vieira is so great, especially when we, you know, we utilize the Bovatech technologies to, to really advance our genetics, to, to get these beef up sires, uh, that are, that are extremely strategically focused on profit and the traits that, that build profit. So I guess to, to kind of in layman's terms, you know, we're, we're only focusing on the profitability traits, when we mm-hmm. talk about beef up sires that are going to bring profit to each segment of the chain, and we're not clouded by traits that that would be you know very important for some other markets that that we have other sires that will cover those markets, but they they really have no effect on a terminal program. so that's that's where we can be very strategic on beef up and and it's it's an exciting program because of it.
0: And um, you just, we talked about carcass traits a few minutes ago, but what kind of results are they having? Um, Have you gotten any data about the, you know, the results on the killing floor about these animals?
1: Yeah. So, so the, the latest beef up sires, of course, they are our most advanced genetics and we don't have actual data on those ones coming yet, but based on the previous generations of, of our, sires that have gone through the markets and seeing where their their genomic data tells us they are and then we've got we've got programs and and researches uh studies where we've we've followed these calves right from birth through the feeding phase into carcass and and yes we're seeing that higher ribeye out of these you know these great beef up balls we're seeing uh better feed efficiency we're seeing less days on feed which is extremely profitable for the feeders and less days on feed to, to get a better carcass, a carcass that has a higher yield grade because of the larger ribeye size. And, uh, you know, they're really hitting the marbling targets targets, which is, that is a, that is an area that the Holstein and Jerseys bring to the table. They marble the, mm-hmm. your dairy breeds marble very well. So that's, you know, we've got less, we need, we need, Less contribution from the beef side, say if you will, as far as marbling, because the Holsteins do that well. But we can really ramp up the ribeye and really ramp up that that efficiency through the right genetics on the beef up balls.
0: And phenotypically, are these these calves, and then you know onto steers, and as they're feeding them out, do they stamp out pretty well? They all look very similar.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing when you see them in the feedlots when they're close to harvest harvest. Uh, you know dates on on these cattle, they're they're very very consistent. And you know compared to a traditional Holstein steer, or say, you know some of the very first genetics that were used on beef on dairy that weren't really, you know growth and carcass focused, they're just so much more consistent in that they've got the muscle shape. They're a more correct frame size of what we want for the feeding industry and and those carcasses that come through. Uh, so it's. It's definitely a, a much more consistent product,
0: um, which is totally the goal for everybody involved.
1: Yeah, very much so. Very much so.
0: You know, just a question: Do you think that the consumer, when they're at the the grocery store and they're looking in the meat case, can they tell the difference?
1: You know, the the shape you would be able to from a straight Holstein, um, but as soon as you run the beef. The beef on dairy crosses so use the beef up sires on them that have a higher ribeye area it'll change the the shape to a more traditional shape so say for example when you're looking at a a ribeye or a new york strip you would be able to tell a, a straight holstein as it would be longer and thinner on a you know on a New York strip and a ribeye would have a, a more elongated narrower appearance whereas as soon as you go to the beef on dairy crosses especially with the higher ribeye ones such as the beef up sires you'll get that traditional shape so I think visually you'll see it um, from a meat quality perspective uh the crosses are very good because you're you know you're hitting the the high-end marbling targets you've they've got great tenderness and, and that's another advantage on the dairy side of things they they do bring bring tenderness to the table and then the the beef side of the equation through the the beef up sires what's more shape and and size in the
0: ribeye Mm -hmm. no that's that's great and that's the goal you got to get the consumer buying the product so
1: yeah for sure
0: talking about another consumer which would be dairy producers globally you know you probably out with a lot of with a lot of clients everywhere what do you tell them about the beef up program why they should trust CMax with this
1: i think because it's very profit oriented and it's the program is oriented to bring profit to all aspects of the supply chain. And I think you know the the greatest thing on the the beef up sires is, you know we've really embraced technology and genetics to to get this elite level of of growth and efficiency and carcass. but we're also very, very proactive as to emerging technologies and to push that even further. You know, we've utilized a lot of Angus sires in the beef up uh, hybrids are are really emerging. And I think, you know, we've seen other programs or hybrids come in and, and they're gonna be a very important tool for beef up sires, but I think the the difference maker for CMX is is how high level our our purebred strains are that are gonna go into a hybrid. And, uh, you know, to add, create even more value for these beef up sires. And I think, you know, because it's so profit driven, we've eliminated a lot of the noise as far as you hear in in a lot of the beef space, as far as, uh, you know, genetics. And and because with the beef on dairy market being, you know, it's really emerged, but it's, it's still not a mature market per se, that you'll hear a lot of noise. And I think with the beef up sires, when you're very profit-driven and very strategic in, in the traits that you focus on that'll build profit, such as growth, uh, you know, of, of course, calving ease for the dairies is a, that's basically an, an absolute given requirement that they need, but then you add growth and carcass and feed efficiency and and, you know, all of those traits then emerge into you know, it's it's been a strong topic of not just our industry, but all industries worldwide as far as, you know, environmental footprint. Mm-hmm. All of those traits will are what builds uh, you know, a sound environmental plan and lessening the the global impact, right, of the beef industry.
0: Sure. And just crystal ball, where do you think that the beef on dairy market is going? Is it expanding? You said it's it's still an immature market um and i suppose that that's different you know from geography well, we'll you know you said that europe is a, more advanced than some places in north america included but where where is this all going
1: yeah and i think i think when i see you know it's very depends where you are in the world i think at at this point uh, when we look at you know europe is They've they've been down the beef on dairy road for a long time now. Um, you know they've utilized a lot of Belgian Blue and those types of beef breeds on their dairy cows. Then of course North America emerged, and and North America has it emerged in such a big way that the numbers are mind boggling as far as you know the the beef on dairy, the amount of those calves that are that are on feed and and going into the beef supply chain. Um, you know I I foresee that continuing. Uh, But then what we're seeing is some emerging markets. You know, Australia isn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's an emerging market for it because they're further down the road than a lot of other countries. But, you know, they're following the same path that was what we've seen in North America. But then there's other countries that are really just starting to look at it now. And I think, you know, when you look at those countries, the, the great thing about that is they can look at the North American playbook as far as, you know really how the beef on dairy thing has evolved and and where quality genetics comes into play that they can they can actually to be honest they can they can eliminate some of the first mistakes that a lot of people made you know in the beef on dairy space so i think i think that's probably what i see is is it's going to continue and it's going to grow throughout the world um we're going to see markets that that don't have a lot of dairy beef right now that are you know they're going to look at what's what's taking place in north america and europe and uh Australia, countries like that, and and they're they're going to be going down that same road. I I would say.
0: And you know, we talk about feeding the world for twenty fifty and different things, and and beef is such a focus. You're you're a native beef guy. Yep. What what do you tell uh, your your beef breeders about this beef up program or the beef on dairy? Where do they where do they fit in in twenty fifty versus this? How does it how does the market all work together?
1: Yeah, great, great question. You know, coming from a traditional beef uh, family and and living in a traditional, you know, beef on beef, uh, you know, area in Western Canada here, you know, it's 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 definitely been a topic, right? The beef on beef breeders have all seen, you know, the traditional beef breeders, the the emerging dairy beef, and it's been been in a lot of conversations and. And I think, you know, it's sometimes they can look at it that everyone gets protective of their markets. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they can, you know, sometimes look at it through a protective lens. But but then when you really think about it, you know, before sex, semen and the in the dairy industry, half of the calves all born were male Holsteins. So they went into the beef supply chain. Um, a lot of those got fed to heavier weights. They had to feed them a long time, uh, but to get enough muscling on them, they got fed to to heavy weights. Whereas the beef on dairy crosses, they're so much higher quality, and they're they're finished at a lower weight, more of a you know really the same weight range as the traditional beef on beef, you know uh, steers and and females that would be coming through the market, that it's it actually adds to a a more high quality overall beef product for consumers. So I think as it's you know gone down that road further, I think there's the traditional markets, you know, they're they're looking upon it in a more, you know, honestly, it's it's the whole beef industry then. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's going to be a very important part of the beef industry, too. Like when we start talking about efficiencies at packing plants, you know, just use North America, for example. We're at an all time low as far as beef cowherd numbers. And as soon as a packing plant, you know, the large plants, if they're not working at capacity, their cost per per animal goes higher. So you know to have an efficient system we need to have capacity and we have to you know fill growing consumer demand across the world so i think you know when when we look at the the dairy beef sector in all that light it's a great partner to the traditional beef industry and i think it it really needs to be looked at on that way i think when they look at bulls um, and i think this is where sometimes it's always good to know the right bulls for the market. You know, at at CMEX, we believe in balanced breeding. And when you look at the traditional beef market, um, it's a different type of bull that that we will market genetics into into those markets. You know, those those bulls are a lot of times they they're externally acquired. They're based on cow families and breeders, probably a lot like like tight Holstein breeders, I would say. Um, you know, and and we're strong generations of cow families really come into play there. But then as soon as the traditional beef breeders realize the terminal markets, such as dairy beef, or say in Brazil, you know, Angus on the Lore cows is a, is another terminal product. Then you you really have to be strategic with the genetics to get the most profitability out of those calves. And then I think mm-hmm. they really understand the, the whole circle of how it works, and where beef up sires can really, you know, supply an advantage into into those type of supply chains.
0: No, exactly, especially when the packing plants. I mean, their costs are thousands of dollars per minute. They can't yep. slow down. They can't. They can't stop. They need to stay full. And yeah. uh, this yeah. is a a complementary, not a competitor product. So I,
1: I think so. Yeah. yeah, I I very much believe that.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. Well, Dennis, we've really enjoyed having you. I know our, our listeners, our last episode with Brad was very popular um, globally with a lot of interest in beef on dairy and only increasing. So we really appreciate your time.
1: Well, thank you very much. I enjoyed being here.
0: Awesome. Have a great one. If people want to reach you, Dennis, how do they do that?
1: Uh, so I'm I can you can reach me through email at d at cmax.com. That's probably the the easiest through through email.
0: Awesome. Anybody wants to reach Dennis, just send him an email. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Brandon. If you like this podcast, give us a four-star review. It really helps others find the show and learn more about CMEX, our people, our programs, and our services.